All right, Pete Giuliano. It is Monday, the 24th of February, 2020. That makes this solder smoke. Number 218. Hey, Ralph, crank it in. Crank it in, Ralph. Ralph. All right. Number 218. 218. Here we go. Fast on the heels of 217. We are on a roll, Pete Giuliano. Um, Listen, this time we have a sponsor. We haven't done this in a while. We are we're we're in the big time now. Actually, we we don't do this a lot, but we're doing it because this is a good cause. It's a nice company, and it really meets a need of the ham radio homebrew community. You know, the other day I was listening on forty meters. Two old guys were, were talking. Old timers were talking about fixing up and kind of refurbishing old radios, and they were talking about how difficult it it is to get crystals. If you need crystals yes. to get one of these things going. And one of them said, oh, it's not hard. All you have to do is contact International Crystals. Tell them the, the frequency you want, and they'll make you a crystal. Where's he been? I know. <laughs> he, he hasn't been paying attention. So oh. I, I sent them a nice note saying, no, that's no longer true. International no. Crystals is gone. Jan Crystals, in terms of making bespoke or you know just you know to-order crystals for our, our purposes, is gone even longer so uh, no and so right around this time coincidentally there are no coincidences the radio right. gods have spoken i get a note from um from an old friend bry carling af4k oh yes bry is an old boat anchor guy he and i i think first started talking back in the the days of the old boat anchor mailing list which is many years ago and uh, he's down in Florida now. And I'll tell you a little bit about his company. It's um, uh, AF4K, alphafoxtrot4k.com, AF4K Crystals. It's a wholesaler. It's a retailer of quartz crystals and radio bits. The owners are Bry and Marie Carling. Both are hams. Bry is from London. Marie is from Nashville. Bry built his first tube homebrew transmitter in 1964 at the age of 13 using a 6JG7. And get this, see if you know what this is, a 5B254 stroke M. What's that? No, I, I, I don't know what that is. That's a British 807, my friend. Oh, my God. That's wow. a British 807. Uh, it was based on a 1957 QST article and called for the use of, get this, beehive trimmer caps. Oh, wow. Do you remember Beehive Trimmer Caps? Yes, yes. I, I don't, but they sound awful. Yeah. They sound vaguely <laughs> like that, that old hairdo that the ladies used to have, the oh, Beehive yeah. haircuts. Yeah. I guess that, that's probably where, the, where it came from. Um, after graduating from in, as an EET at Georgia Tech, Bry returned to England, his place of birth, but came back to the side of the pond, worked in musical electronics for several years, repairing guitar amps. Ooh, my man. Yeah, you see, he's a musician. He's in a band. Yeah, he's got a band. Yeah. Oh, you know? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah he's got, cool. got, got, I think, several bands. Um, repairing uh, guitar amps, organs, and sound systems busily every day, serving the needs and observing the habits of musicians and performers. Uh, a UK radio amateur since 1967, call signs G3XLQ. Cool. Ooh. That's a cool call sign. Yeah, Anything yeah. with an X in it. G3XLQ. And a shortwave listener before that, Bry somehow managed to combine this with a career in music and in medical electronics earlier in life. Uh, his company, AF4K.com, AF4K Crystals, now ship dozens of crystals each week worldwide 
With the demise of several other suppliers, as we have mentioned, the orders and inquiries have been growing. Call, is, the website is http colon backslash backslash, backslash af4k.com. Um, all you need to do really is to um, go search for his call sign, af4k.com, and it'll take you to the website. And uh, I think you'll you guys will, will, will really like this. He specializes in the older crystals, FT243s, FT241s, but he has the um, more modern crystals there too, and he has a whole big selection. So you could just take a look for what, uh, what you need and, uh, and consult with, with Brian. He will, he will get you the required rocks. Ooh, good. You, you know, I was just smiling a bit. You, you said that his XYLs from Nashville? Yeah. I, I was thinking of Christmas dinner, steak, kidney pie, and grits. Oh, my God. I'm sure, I'm sure there's, there's quite a lot of that stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, Pete. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, about Bry here in a by, bit. By the way, I, I visited his site not too long ago when I was looking for some crystals for um, the Collins. Yep. And was it yeah. useful? Uh, he had everything but the one I needed. Oh, no. no <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> but but he had an extensive stock. It's, it's really, so, there's quite, so, there's yeah, quite, so there's that, quite so a stock that, there, good. and I think, I think it's expanded. Yeah. So uh, he, he may even be uh, be able to provide more uh, now. Anyway, great stuff, and we're happy to happy to have Bri, uh, uh, Bri's ad, ad here as a sponsor uh, yeah, for, cool. for Soda Smoke Podcast. All right, Pete, now. I don't have any travel log to report. I haven't been traveling. But there was one thing I forgot to mention in our last episode. Drones. Uh, Billy, I, I got Billy a drone uh, for Christmas. This was really, the family wanted it because we wanted to take like a, a picture of the family at the beach. Winds didn't permit us to do that, but Billy and I ended up flying the drone. And it was just like old times when we were flying model airplanes. but And rockets. Easier, and rockets too. But easier than rockets and easier than model airplanes. The, this drone technology has really picked up. It's pretty some pretty amazing stuff. And I just spotted something. Oh, the drones now, you can buy like a, a really effective drone with a video camera that'll fly around. And the, we're talking about fifty buck drones, fifty dollars. Yeah. So yeah. So and, and they work right out of the box. You don't have to. Do, you don't have to do a whole lot of training. It doesn't crash a lot. It's all kind of automated. I spotted one yesterday that really caught my eye. It's called AirPix, two words, A-I-R-P-I-X. The thing is about the size of your cell phone, and it's actually basically made to replace a selfie stick. So if you want to take pictures of yourself, you just take this thing, you, you, you release it into the air, and it kind of floats in front of you, taking pictures as you click your phone to take the Ooh. pictures. Now, here's the other thing. It has in it facial recognition software. Oh, my God. So you could tell it to, to lock onto your face and to stay with you as you skateboard, for example, down the street. Ooh. So as you're skateboarding down the street, this thing automatically is just flying in front of you, taking a video of your exploits. Now, I know a lot of our listeners are not <laughs> skateboarding. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I <yeah>. hope. <laughs> but... The just the, the the technology in that little device for about I think it was thirty eight dollars. Wow! So thirty eight dollars, you've got a drone that has gyroscopic and barometric sensors in it that keep it stable. Gyroscopic uh. and barometric. It's got a high res video camera in it, and it's got facial recognition and tracking software. 
for wow. $38. Hey, you know, you just gave me a great idea. I could see. I could see in your face the ideas well, were, were, well, were turning. Well, the thing is, I'm having a problem with my antenna, my beam. It's, it's intermittent. If I, got that, if I flew that drone up there, I could visually inspect no, you, yeah, you definitely yeah, could. And, you I know, could and inspect the, what, what, what's where. Well, I, I mean, the thing that the application that I think is really cool is the guys who get a, 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 bit, a bit of a stronger drone, and they use it to carry the, 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 the line over the tree. Yeah, yeah, there you go. No there more go. no more slingshots and bows and arrows yeah, and nothing yeah. like that. No. 30, 30 bucks might be worth, or 40 bucks, 50 bucks might be worth investigating them rather than taking down the beam antenna. There you yeah. go. There you go. So so anyway, good stuff. Hey, listen, uh, sort of related, kind of an unrelated technology kind of thing that's somehow linked. You know, I, I dabble in astronomy, amateur astronomy. I have a telescope here. And I, I dabble in it from time to time. One of my favorite constellations is the constellation Orion, the hunter up there in the winter sky. You can see the three belts. Elisa learned those as a kid in the Dominican Republic. They were the three kings. The, the three be- What we see is the Ooh. three belts. They were, in, in Spanish, uh, los reyes magos, uh, the three um, wise men uh, who uh, came to Jesus on Christmas on, on his birth and brought gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Right? Mm, yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, the 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 star that I always see as sort of the head of Orion is called Betelgeuse. It's a it's a red giant, and it's it's very prominent. It 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 looks to me like the head of the hunter. It's up above the uh, the three stars on the belt. It is fading rapidly. Ooh. So the astronomers believe that this means that it could go supernova on us Ooh, big explosion huh yeah a massive explosion uh, so so bright it would be that we would be able to see it brightly during the daytime my god yeah <laughs> but the thing is it it could happen tomorrow or it could happen in three thousand years on in stellar time scales there's not much difference between tomorrow and three thousand years that's all very yeah. very soon but yeah. anyway, it's it's uh, kind of disappointing in a way that Betelgeuse is fading, because it would totally mess up the constellation Orion if it if it disappears on us. So Mi- the missing link. I think I just needed to alert our uh, our listeners to this, yeah. so yeah. they Look can to add the sky. it to, to the list of things to worry about. Betelgeuse. These are the yeah. things I worry about. AP, we got to talk radio stuff here. There's a lot yeah. of stuff been happening. Do you want to do I'm, yours I'm first, or do you want to do mine you, first? Bill. I'm oh, looking behind you. That's why I got yeah. the camera. Oh, man. Look at that beautiful yeah. thing. All right. You, yeah. you, you got me. Well, there's two things there over here. Yeah. Can you see that one there? Yeah. So, all right. All right. So I got I got two rigs, two very different rigs from two very different, from two different centuries, actually, yes. um, behind me. The first one we're talking about is my Microbidex, the trip, the, the rig that made the trip down to the Dominican Republic. And while I was there... I really came to, to, to like and appreciate the, uh, the Microbidex even more than I had before. But I was taking notes on things that I'd like to fix or improve because, you know, I hadn't really used it a lot for, uh, for portable operations. So these, were, these are just notes that I thought would be useful for portable operation. And I, I mentioned a few of these on the last podcast. I've taken care of a few of the simple ones. But one of the, the real pending uh, improvements was... It needed a more narrow 
uh, CW filter. Ah, yes, yes. Because um, Farhan said in his notes on the Microbit X that he, he had a preference for wider filters. And I, I understand what he's saying. But so he just he just incorporated CW into the rig, but left the SSB filter there. So you'd you'd be using CW, but with the filter essentially at SSB width. About yes, it, it, the, the microbitx is kind of narrow. I think it's down around two point one, two point three kcs wide. But man, when you're doing dealing with CW in that two Point, say say it's a 2kc bandwidth filter you could have 10 different 10 i think different cw conversations going on in that passband yeah and you're listening to all of them now your ear can pick one out because you're listening for the particular tone but it's still kind of annoying to have all that chatter going on around you especially on a crowded cw band farhan had given had sort of left hints in his notes that you could you know switch in a CW filter, and this would be analogous to what happens in an HW101, where you throw the switch on the front and you go from a sideband filter to a CW filter. Um, this just seemed too hard to me. I mean, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was, it was way too difficult. I have a version three of the board that doesn't really have the uh, the pads for easy switching. I think the later versions of the Microbit X have kind of jumpers and pads in there that make it easier to switch the crystal filter. But just the idea of switching a crystal filter on a board as kind of densely populated as the Microbit X, I just didn't like the idea. But uh, and I, something came to me, the old, the, the old idea of, of, a, of an audio filter for CW came to mind. And, you know, the, for, I've, I've been reading about kind of, they call, used to call them SCAF filters, or um, they're just active filters using op amps. The goal is to take the audio passband and narrow it down to the desired, you know, narrow width. Um, and we've seen circuits like this for around for a long time. There is a circuit like this in the HW8, uh, and it's it's often used with direct conversion receivers. But I always thought it was kind of disappointing to use it with a direct conversion receiver. Sure, you'd reduce the, the number of signals that you're hearing, but you're always going to have a signal on the other side of zero beat with a direct conversion receiver. Uh, with, with the Microbit X, you won't have that because you've taken care of the other sideband because it's a single sideband filter. So the 12 megahertz IF filter, the, the main crystal filter of the receiver, becomes in essence kind of another roofing filter. And then you get the audio filter after after the entire Ubitx, just between the, the microbitx and the and the speaker or the headphones, you insert one of these uh, audio filters. The best one I found, the one that I really liked, is from Four State QRP. The Four State QRP group, they have a little kit. It's about twenty five bucks. It's called the Hypermite, high performance mite, and it's it's. It's it's based on it's got four op amps in there. I think three of them are um, high pass filters and one is a low pass filter. But it results in a 200 hertz wide mm. bandwidth, which is really good. I mean, my Drake 2B in the CW position has like a 500 hertz filter, which I thought was pretty good. 200 hertz, 200, but it's 200 hertz at 3 dB down. So I'm not sure what it is at 6 dB down. It's probably like 300 hertz or 400 hertz at, at, at 6 dB down. But 
in any case, it's really narrow. I built it. it. took me about an hour to build the kit. Really kind of fun. I popped it into the MicroBitX. Easy installation. I didn't have to mess around with the board or anything. I just took audio out from the MicroBitX, put it into the audio into the HyperMite. Audio out of the HyperMite goes right to the, to the, to the headphone speaker jack. Turned the thing on. I, I, I wanted to have a little switch on the front of it, so I have a little switch. Pete, you can see the switch here. Really yeah, right, thing. right. Yeah, and man, yeah, so I'm looking at it. I yeah. listen. I listen to it on single sideband, and then bang! I throw the switch, and all the adjacent signals just disappear. It's very satisfying. It's a lot of fun. I'm glad to put the switch there, and it really makes a big difference with CW operation. So, um, I, I recommend that. That's one of the. That's the kind of the, the last on my list, and I would go with the Hypermite from Four State QRP. I, there, I found a, a ham in Belgium who, who had made the same, the same modification. He had homebrewed his Hypermite, and he put his in there, and he, had, he produced a, a video that shows a very similar effect. I have a video up on, on the Solder Smoke blog uh, showing the, the effect of throwing this, this little filter in there, and so, so check it out. Um, so Michael, Michael came in and, and put some posts there saying, you know, going back to the idea of using a uh, a crystal filter and putting another crystal filter in there. Okay, yeah, you, you can do that, sure. I just found this was e an easier way to do it, and uh, and I would want to try this uh, try this again. So that's why I did it this way. But really recommend it, and it's kind of a nice mod for the uh, for the uh, for the MicroBit X. You you know, uh, Tentec used a lot of these in, in their radios because uh, believe it or not. Uh, they had a lot of CW enthusiasts, and, and most of their radios were really superb CW transceivers. And uh, they had like two and three position audio filters. So yeah. depending upon how many audio amp, you know, op amp stages you put in there, you could narrow the bandwidth. So uh, that that would be something that, uh, you, you know, you might look at. Uh, now, that, now that you got the basis and know how good it works, I know. It would be kind of nice to have like a 600, 400, and 200 hertz. Yeah. You know, just 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 kind of depends. I, I find 200 hertz is is a little bit of a problem with my ears and my hearing. Uh, 400 is better for, for me personally. Well, I mean, we're not, we're, but we're not talking about the frequency of the tone. We're talking about the width. And, yeah. And you, no, but I, you, you can I, set I, whatever I, tone you want. You know, you can, yeah. you can, that's one thing about the hypermite. You, you, if you want, if you, right now I have it set at the default 700 hertz tone. So it's 200 hertz with a center frequency yeah. of, of yeah. 700 hertz. So, you know, 500 to nine, 500 to 900 yeah. in there. Um, but you Technology. can change it. Huh? Technology. It's, it's amazing stuff. Like you said, 2020, a good, a good year for home brewing. Right. Anyway, uh, I, the other thing I wanted to do with the with the with the micro bit X, I felt a little bit guilty about running ten watts CW out of this thing. Ten watts sideband is okay. Ten watts CW, you're no longer QRP, and we we do have to kind of respect the QRP norms. Both of you us, do. you do, you do too. We are both. <laughs> Both we are both members of the QRP Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, right. So anyway, I, I I went in and I took a look at the schematic, and they've got a little pot going from the driver, yeah. and you just crank it down. Yeah. So I cranked it down. I'm now at, I'm now I'm now street legal with uh, with the with the micro bit X, and I can proudly proclaim rig here is QRP four there watts. Go. I'm, I've gone to four. I've gone the extra mile, the extra uh. watt. Anyway, uh, so that uh, that completes that. Now, Pete. All right, now we're going to talk about something that 
you and many listeners and and even myself might find painful. That's the other box that you see sitting here. Look at it. Look at that. Baby. Still a pig with lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're talking about the S thirty eight E. You know, I, I I've talked about this before. Pete declared it uh, a pig with lipstick. You can put lipstick on it, but it's still a pig. Yeah. yeah. It is not a great receiver. I get all kinds of, um, of of emails from guys who 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 are pained by our disparaging comments about the S thirty eight because they have these fond memories of getting an S thirty eight for Christmas back in nineteen sixty sixty two, and it opened up the world for them. They have fond memories of it. I get it, but I had I struggled with this thing, and I didn't like it. And I was on the verge, uh, several times I was on the verge of taking it to a ham fest and just giving it away. But I didn't because I was afraid that somebody would get it and electrocute themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because of the uh, ACDC power supply, the transformerless power supply. So I, at one point I got an isolation transformer and put it in there. So I've, it's got a, it's no longer has the, uh, the, the, the power supply where if you put plug the plug in wrong, you could electrocute, you could shock yourself. I don't think you could actually, you could probably electrocute yourself if you tried. But anyway, um, it's got an isolation transformer in there. So it's one of these things there. It's Actually, I put it down in the basement, and it was like, <laughs> man, if it's in the basement, it's, it's really not wanted. But, you know, I started with shortwave listening again, Pete. With my HRO-ish receiver, I started listening on shortwave, shortwave broadcasts, and that kind of lured me in. And I thought, wow, it would be nice to have a little shortwave listening receiver here. And what about that old S38E? So I went down to the basement, I dragged it up, I dusted it off, and I started working on it. All the time thinking, is this wise? Is this good for my mental health and my emotional well-being? Probably not. But I said, all right, I'm still going to do it. You've done this before, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I realized I'd already done quite a bit of work on it. I had put the isolation supply in it. I had Fuse. Huh? You put a fuse too. I put a fuse in it too. Ooh yeah. Put a fuse, the isolation power supply. I had recapped it. I had taken out all the old leaky paper caps. I'd put in Sprague orange drop caps. Much more modern, much more, you know, in spec. Um, and I got the thing working. Now, one of the things that had happened was that the antenna tuning coil, which is this big complicated coil with two primaries, three secondaries, it's all switched, all band switched. It's basically the whole kind of front end of the of the receiver had been blown up pretty badly when I plugged the thing in the wrong way and then shorted the antenna input terminal to the chassis. Believe me, that'll let the smoke out. Yeah. And it did. And I actually tried to rewind some of these coils to no avail. So I'm thinking, well... Let me take a look. I went out on eBay and I found a coil, an antenna input coil for an S38 that looked exactly wow. like the one I needed. The guy was, I bought it right away. Boom. You know, eBay, it's so easy. Hit the, hit, click that PayPal button and zoom, yeah. boom, it's done. A few days later, the coil comes and I go through the rather complicated process of taking the old one out and putting this one back in. Went in perfectly, beautifully. But guess what? It doesn't resonate. Ooh. So you got these trimmer caps up on top of the antenna input coil. And what you're supposed to do is you put in 
the desired frequency range, a signal in the desired frequency range, and you tune the trimmer for peak, right? What you're doing is you're peaking that, that input circuit. Yeah. It doesn't peak. You know, you, you open up the, the trimmer cap, so you're reducing the capacity there. And all you could do is you see the output rising, but it doesn't reach a peak and fall. It just rises, which means that it's not resonating. There's no peak. Yeah. It's not. And I looked at it, and I looked at it, and then I realized something. I had purchased a, a, the antenna input coil from an older S38, not from the S38E. Oh. And there, there are some important differences in tubes, which means there'd be an imp, a difference in input capacitance, input capacitance on the tubes. Yeah. And also some circuitry differences, how they did the, the AVC circuit on on this receiver between the older model and the newer model and i started thinking okay what do i have to do and there's only one way to do it if you if you want to use the the coil that you have in there and that's to pull windings off the coil to reduce because it was resonating lower in frequency so you need to move the frequency up yeah so you got to pull some coil pull some no that would be a nightmare forget it because these things are really tightly wound they're kind of there's varnish holding them in there. You'd overshoot, you'd undershoot. It would just be a nightmare. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Or, or change the capacitance. It's hard to change the capacitance. It's because it's already at minimum. You need, I'm already, the, the trimmers go down to two picofarads, right? And even if I take it all the way to minimum, it's still not, it's still yeah, not doing it. If you put a cap in series, it would make it smaller. I tried that, but I think that, I think making it smaller is not enough because the big, the big kahuna here is the main tuning cap. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, the alternative there is to start pulling... Plates. <laughs> which is a one-way trip, man. They don't yeah. go back on. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I was going through all these things, and I said, wait a second. Here's a solution. A Junker S38E. Oh, right. my God. I bought one. Uh. eBay. Yeah. You, you, this is like cancer. Oh, it man, it keeps small going. And it, it keeps starts going. growing. Wait, wait. It gets even worse. The BFO stopped working. Oh. The BFO. I put the BFO on it. And I, so I thought, oh, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's the filter cap. No, the filter caps had changed. I got new filter caps in there. Somebody on one of the forums says it'll do that if one of the tubes are bad, you know? So I had to buy a completely new set of tubes for this thing. My God! I retubed it. That took care of the BFO problem. It's 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 not like it's not like the disease you mentioned. It's more like drugs. Yeah. Because every time you fix one of these little things, it's a gateway. It pulls you in. You want more. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wait, wait. The story gets worse. So I I, I retubed it, and now the BFO works. Now I can listen to CW and single sideband. It's luring me in, and it's got this beautiful little band spread dial down at the bottom. And right after I got the BFO working, right after it sounded really good, I turned that snap. The dial cord? The dial cord went. Uh. So now I got to do a dial cord on the band spread dial of the S38E. Holy cow. Not only that, the the directions that they give are not good. Because this thing was produced when hams were hams. And when they knew how, just sort of, instinctively how to change a dial cord right wow that was that was a bit of a job it wasn't as bad as i thought but i've redialed corded it so listen on this on this receiver i have recapped it 
I have rebuilt the power supply. I've retubed it. I've tried to realign it and I've restrung the dial cord. This thing better wow. this thing better be good. You you remind me of the guy that's out walking <laughs> and he spots a set of Cadillac hubcaps from a 1951 Cadillac <laughs> and they're 10 bucks. And he takes them all home, and for another $40,000, he gets the whole car. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But, hey, listen, I, I've been having fun with it. Even with oh, the, yeah. Even with the input coils not resonating, it's still pulling in signals on, especially on 75-meter and 40-meter AM, and it sounds really good. The broadcast stations sound really good. And, look, i got to say something. There's something really special about having nice music coming out of the the receivers that we're working on. We work on these receivers a lot, and the only thing that comes out of our receivers is, you know, SSB signals that sometimes sound like Donald Duck or CW, which is, you know, basically like smoke signals or something. I don't know. It's it's like really ancient. But to turn on this little this little S38E and tune across what remains of the shortwave broadcast stations and each of these stations has these really has really nice music they have nice nice like tones they have like a signal tone that's playing in the background when they're getting ready to broadcast there's some really nice stuff there and it just made me think that it's a shame that we can't produce we can't put music on the ham bands i mean that's that's i'm not proposing that we allow it i can hear people saying oh no that'd be awful guys would be broadcasting music all the time but it's kind of anyway i know they do anyway but it's kind of silly that we 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 can't and and the reason we can't was because when ham radio was created they didn't want it to be an alternative to the new broadcast music media right so money. Once again, we're stuck with a restriction that made sense in 1923, but sort of doesn't make much sense as we approach 2023. You know. Yeah. But hit the, but yeah. there we are. But anyway, I've been having having fun with it. I'm waiting. Um, oh, listen. Even you know, restringing the dial. It's it's, it's like this is like a ham radio I- retro experience. I get the thing in there. It's all done perfectly. I mean, it, it's it's got the right tension. It's the right dimension. It's going over the right pulleys. It goes around. It goes into. It goes up. It goes around. It's it's really kind of a Rube Goldberg kind of thing. I used real um, dial cord replacement that I got from Antique Electronics Supply back when I was doing this with my great Drake Two B. I still had some of it around, but it was spinning. It wasn't gripping. What do you do? Oh, you gotta you gotta make it so it grabs. You gotta make it so it grabs. But and I I remembered this from the days when I was dealing with it in the Drake Two B, rosin. Oh yeah, like Sticky. rosin from a from a violin bow. Now my kids played violin, so I went rooting around in the closet and I found one of Maria's old violins. Ooh. And sure enough, at the bottom of the case is a chunk of violin rosin. The way they recommend it, the smart way to do it, is to take some of the rosin, shave it off, and d- dissolve it in isopropyl alcohol. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then you get a little brush, and you paint it on the string, the part of the string that's going to go through the, the dial-turning mechanism. And that'll cause, when once the thing dries, it'll cause it to grip. So that's working pretty well. So I got that going. Anyway, that was, that was a real experience. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it. I'm working. I'm working on it. I, now the the replacement, the Junker S38 that I bought on eBay, 
will arrive on Thursday. I will perform the extraction of the, the, the current S38 coil. But before I put it back in, some of the guys on Antique Radio Forum have said, hey, measure the inductances on each of the coils for, for the, both the S38 and the S38E so that we have an idea of what the differences are. Because when I raise this problem, I may be the only one who's ever done this, you know, who's ever been down this road, who has, you know, because the coils are almost identical looking. Not quite, though, you could tell. And it wouldn't take too many turns of a difference to make it to make a difference here, right? So I'm going to measure the inductance, let these guys know, and then um, we'll, we'll get we'll get that thing going. Yeah, and I guess if you have to change the inductance, it's easier to do on a junker than it is on yeah I, I'm, I'm hoping that 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 just putting in an actual uh, kind of antenna coil assembly from an actual s38e instead of the s38 will you won't will, have to fool will, with that do, yeah. the, do the trick but anyway that, those have been my adventures here and um it is kind of nice it, it sounds really good on am not so great on ssb the, boy the, are you hooked Oh, I know. I'm, I'm, and, I, and I get into shortwave listening. I sit here and I listen to, you know, Rom, Radio Romania has some great programs on. Um, I could hear even Spain is continuing to broadcast on on shortwave. I haven't been hearing a whole lot of the Chinese. The Chinese, I used to hear them a lot, but I don't hear them a lot anymore. Um, and then, but then a lot of other stations, a lot of the uh, kind of the religious broadcasters are on. But there are also kind of, Stations that are obviously operating as commercial uh, broadcast stations, and I think most of the their their operation is being financed by the religious broadcasters. But they have other other programs that come in that are of interest to us. There are actually quite a few I've discovered programs like the old HCJB mailbag. Oh yeah, down in Ecuador. Arnie Coro still has uh, DXers Unlimited on Radio Havana Cuba, but I I, I was. I, I put a, a post of this up on the on the on the blog. I turned the thing on when I was doing one of my initial shortwave listening uh, tunings tuning around. I heard a very familiar voice, Tim W A one H L R, and he's one of the real gurus on AM and modifying uh, DX one hundreds things like that. Been around for me. I've been listening to Tim since the mid seventies. I remember him when when he was on the air with a bunch of his friends who were going to college. And high school back in the Northeast in the nineteen mid nineteen seventies, but anyway, I heard him on, and he's got a program on WBCQ, hmm. which is one of these commercial broadcasters. Then there's WRMI, Radio Miami International. Again, it's kind of a mix of uh, of religious broadcasters, but with other programs there too. So it, all is not lost on the shortwave bands. There's some interesting stuff there. And Pete, we may have in the new year to, to, to think about how to get the Solder Smoke podcast carried by one of these broadcasters. Ooh, there you go. International. There you go. This, this is a good time to, to pause before we get to your bench for the, rate, for the Shameless Commerce Division. Oh, yeah. SCD. Oh, yeah. I, I think we have to mention uh, what we talked about before, Brian Carling's Crystal Company. Again, AF4K.com. Check it out. I mean, I, yeah. I think it meets a real need. And, you know, one thing I noticed there, he had, I think the, the, F, the, the FT-243s are the more common, but they're FT-241s that are slightly yeah. bigger, right? And yeah. those, they were in lower frequency ranges. A lot of times they're marked for like 20 megahertz, but that was a channel designation or yes. channel 20. 
But I noticed on, on Bry's page that a lot of them are down in the 400 or 500 KC range. Ooh, 630 meters. Well, well, not only that, IF filters. Yes. You know, you, you, could, you could build some, 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 four, some IF filters close to 455 KC. Huh? I think it's channel 21... 22 and 23 this guy knows everything holy cow gotta look yeah. for those ones and then you can make some make some crystal filters there at the 455 kc yeah. range if you can't get the mechanical filters that pete giuliano and others have sent to me yeah but anyway uh 21 22 23 that's the ones you want another another reason to bris- visit brian's site af4k.com check it out he's also on facebook he's got a facebook page there um and uh, you could you could you could check that out too, but um, just look just search for AF4K and Bry Carling's crystals, and you'll find what we're talking about. Good site. The other thing, of course, please continue to use the uh, the Amazon uh, search page up in the upper right hand corner of the blog. Um, Bezos continues to send us money because of this, and uh, we're we're grateful. We use it to buy stuff that we talk about here on the podcast and pay the other assorted kind of bills and things, expenses that we have con- in conjunction with the podcast and associated activities. Microphones. So we have to buy microphones. So can it be quality, a quality, quality uh, audio event? And, and it is, and it's quality now, I'm telling you. Yes. It is. You sound good, Pete. All right. Tell us what's happening on your bench. you got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, um, first of, I had a teensy fire and explosion. A teensy, a teensy weenie. Yeah, a teensy weenie. I was really alarmed when I read this email because Pete's a very understated guy. And I just, I was looking at the email one morning and I'm sipping my coffee and I, I see a message from Pete with small fire and explosion in the shack. And I said, uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. So tell us about well, this, Pete. Okay. What did you do? Uh, the, the teensy uh, microcontroller available from PJRC, the 3.5, I had a couple of them, and uh, they're a 40-pin device, 40 pins. So uh, you got to be really careful when you put them in the socket. And uh, a- actually, um, I've solved this problem, another thing, and I'll talk about that another another way, and I'll talk about it in a minute. But I inserted the 40-pin device one pin over. So instead <laughs> of aligning, instead of aligning, you know, pin one with pin one, Pin one was in pin two in the socket. And that's not I, as I bad. Catch... That's not as bad as what I did when I installed yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. the chip completely so upside when, down. When I turned on the power, there was a loud bang and and a flash of a fire, <laughs> flash of fire <laughs> out of the teensy. And I said, "Well, whoa! I really smoked that one." You violently, but, I mean, violently it was startling. Let out it the was smoke. startling. You know, lots of times you'll you'll. You'll know they go because you see the puff of smoke. But this was a loud explosion, and a and a, I guess the flame was about three inches long. <laughs> yeah, small fire and explosion. I'm tempted to say the radio gods have spoken. Yeah, telling me what are you doing? So anyway, <laughs> um, and I think I blew the the carrier board. So I've got another bo- carrier board that's the codec board, and I got some. I had to get some sockets, um, socket pins to to put in there. So I'll, I'll get that repaired. But I mean. Even me, even me, when you get in a hurry sometimes, you don't look what you're doing. Oh, yeah, I just plugged that thing in there, and I didn't. With so many pins, it's hard to, it's hard to have a misalignment. So well, you were, be careful you were, what you do. You were, you were actually lucky that it 
that it exploded the way it did. Yeah. Because it could have been that it would just sit there and not work, and then you would spend hours trying to figure out. Yeah. This is what our friend Dean has told us that he was involved in. This is like the first time. He had a cold soldering joint on an LM386 audio output amp. And no output. Right, and he he said he spent the better part of the weekend trying to figure out what was wrong, and at the end, like on late Sunday evening, he discovers cold soldering joint. Yeah, and I said, "Welcome to our world." Yeah, yeah, there you go. Anyway, so so a teensy weensy fire and explosion. Yeah, it was it 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 woke you up. (laughs) So, uh, hey, I wanted to go back to uh, our former podcast number two seventeen, and you're just. A small discussion here about the Shameless Commerce Division. I noticed something in the background. Your your cat must be back there. It must be Tyson. I, I see him nosing around your bench. Yeah, that's got to be your kitty cat. Is that your kitty cat? Or, no, that's your dog. That's the dog. Oh, that's the dog. Oh, okay. Pete, it would be quite shocking if Tyson was around because <laughs> Tyson kicked the bucket about about four months ago. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're freaking me out, man. <laughs> There you go. Anyway, the dog is here. Elise is traveling, so it's just me and the dog. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, I mentioned two seventeen. You could get a computer for a hundred bucks on Amazon. Yeah. I got one for seventy five. I I couldn't resist buying it. I bought this computer, and uh, the reason reason for it is um, Paul KL seven FLR. He's uh, emailed both of us uh, several times here, and, and uh, he was mentioning about Linux, and that he had uh, Linux on uh, Linux Mint on his computers, and that's what he was using for uh, various um, ham programs and what have you. So I had an old computer here that uh, had Windows 7 on it, and it was a 32-bit machine. So I just figured a way to load the load the hard drive with uh, Linux Mint. And that works pretty good. And the only problem is that's a 32-bit machine. And and the difficulty is some of the programs are no longer supported like what we're using right now with Skype. Skype, it no longer supports the 32-bit Linux and only supports the 64. So I said, okay, I got to fix that. So I looked through the list uh, and you go to Amazon, you go to the Solder Smoke blog, upper right-hand corner, click on that and type in desktop computer clearance and i found a hewlett packard machine 74 dollars and 27 cents shipped man 74 dollars and 20 and it has windows 7's professional on it and it only had a 660 gigabyte hard drive so then i found a 500 gigabyte hard drive for 14 dollars renewed it's a western digital renewed and and it's guaranteed for a year so I put that puppy in there, and I've got the uh, Linux Mint 64 on there, and boy, that is really cool. And I've loaded a whole bunch of programs. Now Skype works on that machine. And it's funny we were earlier. I guess this is the second round. We were having a little difficulty with Skype. When I installed Skype in there, I had to put a new password in there. And what I didn't realize, it changed every, all the passwords <laughs> on yeah. the other Skype. So I had to go back, put the put the new password. And all. Oh man, it, this this password stuff drives you nuts. But anyway, uh, Mint the the Linux Mint is really a great program because it's got a front end on it, a GUI front end, so it looks just like any other operating system. And it's a free download, and I've got on there um, 
uh, LT Spice uh, version 15. And by the way, uh, I have I have been reluctant to upgrade my Linux. Uh, I mean, not my Linux, LT Spice, but the latest version has all the new devices in there. It actually has the J310 as standard. I know. So, I, I, mean, I, I when when you told me this, I immediately went to an update. And the J310 is in there. Oh, yeah, happy whole, day. Yeah, a whole bunch of others, too. So that's that's really good. What others? Did you find any others that are really of interest to us? Uh, well, yeah. And, and I'm going to mention one here. Our, our good friend, Tony Fishpool, Tony. Uh, contact, contacted me and said, Hey, go to, uh, go to this website, www.coil32.net. And this is an inductor website that tells you how to wind inductors using various methods. So if you want an air core coil of such and such an inductance, it's got the calculator built in. If you want to use an amidon ferrite core, you yep. put the inductance in there. And it even has a way to identify mystery inductors. He said he had a bunch of cores that he thought were 43s and it didn't seem to work in the circuit. And he used this uh, coil 32. Matter of fact, they got a 64 version of this. He identified it was a Type 61. No wonder it wasn't working in his circuit. It was it was too high of a frequency. Yeah. So uh, good old Tony. And Tony also mentioned, because I pulled out the 160 big gigabyte hard drive with Windows Professional 7, he said, you know, you still can update those to Windows 10 for free. Wow. So if you got one of the Windows 7 machine professional and, and don't want to do what I did by putting a new hard drive in there, you can actually update that to a Windows 10. So I have I have Skype on there. I have the Arduino IDE 1.8.12. I've got the Teensy add-on to that. Uh, I've got uh, a whole bunch of other programs that I installed in there. And it's actually pretty easy with the Linux. Uh, and so I have kind of a, a nice computer down in the shop uh, right now. And matter of fact, it's running... Uh, uh, I'm running Whisper on Quisk. Quisk loads on there pretty easily. So, you know, I got a hundred less than a hundred bucks invested in this thing, and I even got a keyboard and a mouse with it, <laughs> and a Wi-Fi dongle. So, so I mean, if you're looking for a shop, we talked about this in 217. You're looking for a shop computer. It's really cool. One of the programs that I loaded on there is called Cheese. I had cheese. to ask about cheese. Cheese. This is really a neat program. Uh, I just plugged my webcam in there and installed cheese, and, and you can do you can use that for Skyping now. But the other thing is microscope, an electronic microscope. So what you can do is I'm thinking of getting a one of these little uh, drill press stands. You know, you could take a hand drill, make it a drill press. Yeah. And you can get them for 14, 15 bucks. You can actually connect your webcam you know fix your webcam to that and make it like a microscope if you want to investigate circuitry and see where all the connections are maybe you got solder bridges and what have you you can use you can use your video screen as, as just like an electronic microscope cool Pete, how do you how do you get the um the the camera into the computer is it a usb connection yeah wow i'm using my webcam wow because the same I webcam i have another webcam the logitech it's the 361 yeah. It's just a USB, and it, it immediately recognized it. Yeah. There was a really cool mod that you could do for with, with webcams, with the kind of the eyeball-style round webcams. Yeah. If you remove the lens and you put like a 35-millimeter film can there and taped it on, 
you could use it as an uh, astronomy camera. Just plug it, just put it physically Ooh, into thing. the eyepiece yeah. of the telescope. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. There you go. Yeah, free download. And uh, by the way, this was the other thing that blew my mind. Uh, I've tried installing printers on my Raspberry Pi and Asus Tinkerboard. I got it to work on the Tinkerboard, but I didn't get it to work on the... No, I got it to work on the Pi, but not the Tinkerboard. So I said, okay, install printer. And it said, boom, I found the network printer installed. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so, I mean... You know, immediately, and it makes it so nice. Is uh, you see something on the in the shop, and you want a copy, you just hit print, and it prints it. So, so pretty, I mean, cool. there's a lot of functionality there. And Bill, less than a hundred bucks. Man. Less than a hundred bucks gives you a really unique capability. And I mean, what what everybody needs is another computer, but this is really nice because it's right there integrated in the shop. I'm I'm using it with the SDR rigs, and I'm using it as a general shop computer. And uh, when we finish here, I'm going to uh, I'm going to install the coil, uh, the coil 64 in there, and that's www.coil32.net, and then they you can link to the 64 and upgrade to that. So really kind of cool. All right. Uh, one of the STR rigs that I'm using is a called a Peaberry V2, actually known as the Omnia, and these are no longer sold. But this is a pretty nice rig. It's a four-band rig. It's uh, 60 meters through 20 meters. Now, is this the P-Berry, or is is the P-Berry a a microcontroller that you use with it? No, no. P-Berry is the name of the rig. Wow. And then the guy, AE9RB, came up with this, and then I think he sold the rights to to a group called Omnia. And it's a four-band rig, 60 through 20, and it's just just a small card, and it's got a built-in audio codec. So you plug into the board, plug into the USB port, and immediately it starts receiving uh, the I and Q channels, and it also controls the SI five seventy on board to tune the thing. Uh, I mean, it's, now does it work in conjunction with a Raspberry Pi, or is it yeah, just standalone? Yeah. So no, no. So I, how are you running? Are you running it with the uh, Raspberry I've Pi? Ra- I've run it with a Pi, the ASUS Tinkerboard, and now I got it with the Linux Mint. Okay, and you had this thing on sixty meters the other day, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, I watched that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I was just checking out to make sure everything worked, and I heard this QSO, and it was a guy KE5ZR Gene there in uh, in Texas was in contact with W6YLD up in Santa Maria, so I broke in and I had a three way. I'm already running sixty watts, <laughs> sixty watts. I mean, just really amazed me. And uh, you know, less we were all less running less than hundred watts effective radiated power, and uh, sixty meters was open. It was, it was about. Five six o'clock at night yeah. out, out here in the west coast yeah yeah well really listen cool. you know you, your video about the 60 meters thing inspired me yesterday i pulled my 60 meter rig off the shelf dusted it off now my rig is basically a bit x40 module that's been modified oh yeah for 60 meters and i have a little si5351 uh in a, a heath kit qf1 q multiplier box kind of outboard and so that's how I, 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 and I have it set up so it generates the, the five frequencies for the five channels on, on 60. Yeah. And I can scan all five. And I, I, that was I, Don Cantrell, wasn't it? Right. 80, 60? right. Yep. Yeah. And, then, and then I got on, uh, I got on 60 yesterday and I heard one really um, very active QSO going on on channel one. But it was sad because, you know, sometimes it's these guys you could tell they get together every morning and they have their guys that they talk and they go around and it's their club. Their club. And I I I called them and the only comment they made was, 
you're slightly off frequency, but cold, like go away. Yeah. So I didn't talk to them. I, I waited a little bit, and then I uh, then I called CQ on the frequency, and I fell up in Boston. Came back. We had a very nice nice short contact. Oh, yeah, that's good. So it was good. Great. So I mean, it was it was good to get on sixty. But it's a reminder too that that band, it has because of the channelization, it has this kind of kind Click. of clickiness that is yeah. that that's unfortunate. But anyway, it, it was fun. It's like the seventy five meter drunks. <laughs> God, yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, the other thing I worked on is a Radig, a, no, a new version of the Radig, and something a little bit different. Uh, normally, these uh, SDR radios use the SI570, and so I thought I'd try to use a uh, SI5351 control with an Arduino, and I discovered something. The early days of the soft rock radios, before they became tunable in the V63, what they essentially did is used a, uh, like a 28 megahertz crystal and they plugged it in there, and then they let the software uh, look at the sound card 24 kilohertz either side of that. I found that you can do that with the SI5351. So it's it's kind of cool because it's a little different way to do it, and if you just want to dabble with it without going to the SI570, you can just hook up an Arduino and put that into the port, set it at four times the frequency, and then you you like set it at 7200 and you set the Quist software at 7200 and you move you can you know look 24 kilohertz either side. Now to that end, I won't identify his call because once I tell you this, he's going to get un- inundated. But Jim, uh, he contacted me. He bought a rig called the Phaser. Have you heard about the Phaser? I have. And this is uh, a product that was developed by by. Uh, K1SWL, and uh, it's really an amazing, you know, the Small Wonder Labs, uh, Dave Benson had a company that he was selling all these, and I guess he just sort of retired from that, but then he designed the Phaser, and this is a very interesting uh, rig. This Phaser uses a direct conversion receiver as a part of the the transceiver, and the transceiver produces the I and Q channels. Sure. With the FT's... uh, 7253 the the day the uh uh what was that guy's name from um taylor dan taylor dan taylor's taylor mixer yeah taylor mixer so anyway it's a transceiver designed for uh ft8 so you you can order uh, crystals and put it in there and uh, and it uses a pick microcontroller i think uh for for doing all the heavy lifting well jim took that and substituted Arduino SI5351. And he shared with me that he has now operating on about uh, 10 different frequencies that are that are free- selected with a selector switch. So he came up with some code that when you put the selector switch, he can go to various bands. And he also developed... That's okay. Anyway, it's a, he's got 10 different channels in that. And, and he's... he's got it controlled with an arduino and an si5351 so i mean th- here's another example of 2020 new technology someone takes the phaser <laughs> which is supposedly a single channel and now he's got a, got it operating on 10 different channels and he's got it controlled instead of with the pick because now if you tried to diddle with the pick you'd have to learn the, the microchip language and you'd have to do assembly level language programming versus what you're used to with the IDE. Kind of amazing and and just 
really exciting to see what people are doing in their shacks. It's nice. To, it's nice to get phasing technology back in the game too. Yeah. Well, when I looked at that, I said, why? Why didn't he? Why did he use a direct conversion receiver? He could have. He could have taken that same tailor detector <laughs> and just moved it up to the receiver part. And if you did that, then you could turn that into a sideband transceiver you know with with just a few minimum devices so anyway that's another possibility with that but lots of things that are are happening and uh while we're talking about sdr something uh, interesting phenomenon out here in the west coast these guys have these nets but they don't use their station receiver they they get plugged into the sdr receiver either up at uh, san francisco or there's one in utah and so like you hear the guy say Oh yeah, I can't hear you direct, but you're you're you know you're 20 over nine on the Utah re, uh, uh, SDR. You're 20 over nine uh, up there in, on the uh, I think it's up at Point Reyes, the old Point Reyes uh, radio station now has an SDR site. So I mean, it's just interesting to see how this technology is being infused. Well, yeah, what, what bands are, the, are these these nets 40. on? Forty on forty. Yeah, you know this this reminds me of all the the criticism that poor Lou over there in Barcelona. Echo Alpha 3 Japan Echo was taken. Remember this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and because the, Lou, apparently he has some a very, a very bad kind of RFI noise situation near his house. He wants to get on the air. So the way he eliminates that is he listens to web SDR receivers. This makes some people furious. I mean... I. Why? I, 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 Why? I got, I got, I got a, an email from somebody who said he's cheating. At what? At, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if if he if he wants to listen over the web SDR, yeah. why not? I mean, yeah. I guess if he was in, he's. I don't think he's he's working on DXCC or anything like no. that. Well, you you know his antenna is a six over six over six. Right. If you got any kind of noise in your neighborhood, <laughs> you're gonna pick it up. Guess, yeah, you you bet. So anyway, I can see I, why. I mean, you want that advantage on transmit, but but it's also kind of a negative for any kind of you know man-made generated noise on the other end. Yeah, well, no wonder his front end's being and, overloaded. And, and even the idea of cheating. I mean, even oh. if we were in a contest scenario, I mean, these days you can go online and plunk down. You give them your credit card; they'll give you access to yeah. a super station on the other side of the planet and then you could operate in a contest using that yeah right yeah. is yeah. that i don't know i mean but anyway uh we'll, we'll we'll see what's what's going on with it um what's in the mailbag all right time for solder smoke mailbag um let's see here let me get my list let's see first um Got a got a nice. I got a nice note from uh, Doug W B five T K I. He told me that he and his wife have been reading uh, the book "Us and Them" that I wrote. This was oh, the book about yeah. the uh, our ten years in Europe, and he he and his wife enjoyed it and used it uh, to make points at a dinner party, which I I thought was was interesting and inappropriate. So thanks for sending us that note. Got a nice got a nice note from uh, Rich Rich Arlen K seven S Z. And he's a, a noted QRP author. QRP guy. Yeah, he's a noted, Big noted, time. A noted ham radio QRP author. 
and that he said he's finally following the Solder Smoke podcast. Welcome aboard. We're glad you have you with us, Rich, and we hope you hope you enjoy. Well, I'm going to be in trouble with him. All my comments about QRP, right? <laughs> well, we we, we we take them with a grain of salt. Pete. Oh, okay, you know, okay. We're, we're going to keep you in the good graces of the QRP community. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> hey, listen. Here's one. I I got a real kick out of this. You know, I I I have on the on the Solder Smoke blog on Solder Smoke Daily News. On the right-hand column of the blog, go further down, there's a list of websites, blogs, YouTube pages. It is curated. I trim it. If I notice that somebody hasn't updated their blog in like six months, boom, they're gone. Because we're looking for things where, you know, kind of updated, active. And so I have, I, I guess I have 20 or so sites of this nature there. One of them the other day, led me, and I think it was the Radio Forum, which is a good site, but it led to me to a site about a guy who had made a regen receiver out of a single 12AU7 tube, uh, right? Yeah. So with With 12 volts on the plate. Yep. And, wow, this was kind of cool. So he, he shows you how he builds it. It's a very nice video, and I have it up on the, on the blog. And then he says, let's tune around the 40-meter band. So he's tuning around the 40-meter band and tuning, and all of a sudden, you know, the signals are kind of SSB, and there's a little bit of frequency wobble. And I hear, but an unmistakable yes. voice, no call sign, because he only recorded a brief snippet, but I said, damn, that's August in Odessa, yes. K5HCT, here comes Texas. So I, I, I sent the link to you, and I said, Pete, does that sound like August? You said, yeah, that's definitely him. And a few minutes later, an email came from him, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, that was me." So the radio gods have spoken. I mean, yeah. what were the what are the odds that, that now Odessa's like equal skip distance to California and Virginia? So that's why you and I both hear him. We we both talk to him. Yep. He's, he's a he's a, a really great ham. Always very helpful to me. He always seemed to be around when I was trying to test a new rig. And all the other hams were kind of ganging up on me saying, it sounds terrible. It's, you know, you're two Casey's, you know, you're 200 hertz off. Ah. But you know, August was always there to kind of yes. tell, tell me how great the new rig sounded and things like that. So that was fun. Anyway, where are those 12 AU7s, Pete? We'll have to build one of those things. Um, I got a nice email from Rick, KD4KRA. This one was a real, was really kind of emotional. So... Some of you guys will remember that in the mid-90s when I was down in the Dominican Republic, I started working on satellite stuff. And at one point, I was able to monitor the, the space half, the, 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 the ground, to, the, the, the air-to-ground side of a, of a school communications. Norm Thaggard was up on the Mir space station, the old Russian Mir space station. And he had arranged to speak with a bunch of school kids in Carolina. And I couldn't hear the school kids in Carolina, of course, but I could hear Norm up on the space station talking down to them. And he was describing what it was like to sleep in space, what lightning looked like in space. And even though I was only hearing half the conversation, you got a sense of what the kids were asking about. It was all very cool. So I put it up on, I put the recordings up on my website. So that was more than 20 years ago, right? Now I get a, uh, an email from Rick, KD4KRA, and he tells me that his son 
was one of those little kids in the school. Oh, wow. But his son, one of the little kids in the school, now has his own kids. Oh, man. And he wants to share with them the time that he spoke to the Mir Space Station. Oh, my God. So I sent the link uh, to Rick, and I asked him to, to let us know about how the next generation reacts to uh, hearing dad as a little kid talking to the Mir Space Station. I should send now, it off. Their to question me. is, can I use my iPhone to oh, do no. that? <laughs> right. we'll, we'll hope for the best. Hey, I, I, we got we got some nice email from uh, the fellow up in Alaska you've been talking to, Paul, KL7FLR. Yeah. It, you know, the, the podcast has a history of connections with Alaska, so this is really good to have Paul back on board, um, Paul on board with us, and he's talking about sharing his, his info on, on tapping, tapping uh, different kinds of metal, yes. other kinds of tribal knowledge, and, uh, and so that, that's really good. And he's, he's, he shared a bunch of other stuff. I'll put it up on the blog. He's got a CNC machine too. Oh my! I figured. I figured. You guys, you guys form an elite crew. <laughs> Dave K eight W P E says that uh, I, I made note of my bringing the ham radio gear to the Dominican Republic, and Dave said I'm very fortunate to have a, a supportive wife. Very, very true. Yeah, it's true. True. Thanks, thanks, thanks very much for pointing that out, Dave. And we'll we'll remember your note previously about possible effects of different kinds of medicine inside oh, the, 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 the pill bottles that we use to wind our coils and how this might yep. affect uh, radio listening. Hey, um, before we wrap up, I have a special request that I'm going to make to the Solder Smoke listeners. You know, Pete, you and I don't know how many people listen to this thing. Yeah. It's hard to tell. We don't know. Sometimes it feels like we may be talking to ourselves. This is discouraging. Um I know we're not. I know we, we, we get a lot of listeners, but it's it's very difficult with podcasts because the way they're distributed to get a sense of how many people are actually listening. So here's what I'd like to do. If you're listening to this, <laughs> and I got to assume that you are if you're hearing me say this, <laughs> just take a second and shoot an email to soldersmoke at yahoo.com. That's soldersmoke, one word, S-O-L-D-E-R-S-M-O-K-E at yahoo.com. And just tell us, I'm listening to 218, and tell us a little bit about how you're listening to it. Are you listening through to it through iTunes? Are you listening through Stitcher? Are you listening through a direct download from the website? Anything like that. Anything that would give us a sense of how the podcast reaches you, the, uh, the individual podcast listener. It would also give us a sense of how many people are actually listening to this thing. And hopefully it will provide motivation for Pete and I to continue on here with with the podcast. Also, right. keep in mind, you know, Bri, Bri Carling's, uh, you know, Crystal Page, really very useful, AF4K.com, AF4K Crystals on Facebook. If you need some crystals, Bri's probably got them for you, so so check it yeah. out, and, and don't Absolutely. forget Bri. Pete, anything else? Yeah, I, I have a story that Tell I want to share to, to kind of end up the podcast. And it's a generational story, and it has something to do with Pasta Pete, and it has something to do with um, just life in general and, and a difference of view. When I go through the checkout line at the grocery store, I always like to see what people are, are you know, fixing or cooking, and I'll frequently mention that I have a Pasta Pete website. So I'm checking out of the of the uh, <clears throat> uh, through the line, and there's a nice young man. His name is Alex, 
And Alex uh, was was essentially a courtesy uh, clerk, you know, he'd pack your bag, and then he got to be a cashier. But in talking to Alex, you you clearly understood he was destined for bigger things. That he was he was not going to be at that grocery store very long. He's very articulate. I think he was going to college, and this was kind of a fill-in job. So I always used to say to him, I said, "Well, you know, Alex, uh, you're not going to be here very long." And and it, you know, a couple of weeks later, yes, he he was no longer. But anyway, uh, I, I said to him, he said, "Hey, Alex," I said, "If you want to pick up women, I said, learn how to cook," because he's maybe like about 2021. 20, I said, if you know how to cook, I said, you get the way to your heart. Now, the courtesy clerk was a, a young girl that day, and she kind of smiled and said, yes. So behind me is this younger girl, I guess maybe late 20s, early 30s. I says, isn't that right? Wouldn't you be, you know, sort of uh, excited by a guy who could cook? She said, no, it's all about the money. If he's got money, <laughs> said, that's all it counts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blew that theory. <laughs> yeah. So I, I said, okay. So it's a generational thing. And she said to me, she said, that's for you old guys. That's what she said to me. That's <laughs> for you old guys. So it's a generational thing. So if you can't cook, have a lot of money. Yeah, but 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 the the, the Curtis the girl the the first girl you know looked yeah. like there, there were yeah, some possibilities she, there. Yeah, yeah. Theory could prove I was, true. I was trying I was trying to give Alex some guidance, you know, on what he needed to do to pick up chicks. Well, good luck, <laughs> but, Alex. You, yeah. you, you you should set up a service, Pete. You should you know guidance yeah, or advice yeah. or coaching. I I mean I had to I had to swallow my tongue a little bit when you know without missing the beach. He said, "No, it's all about the money." Oh gosh. Well, listen, you, you, you ended with a story. There's one story I forgot to share. It was right here in front of me in the mailbag. But we got a, we got emails from, from an email from David, AD8Y. He read the Solder Smoke book, had a very similar knack story. Um, and from there, he shared an additional story from about 1978. Oh, yeah. He was up at, at MIT. He was a student at MIT. He was on 75 meters, and he was listening to, and get this, 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 this is a generational thing. He was listening to a homework net. Yeah. So a bunch of high school students, apparently in Brooklyn, were on 75 meters doing their homework together over ham radio. Well, wouldn't that yeah. be fun? Yeah, cool. That, that's long gone. Um, but that's what the way it was back in 1978. And he's just listening in. And one of the students asks the other student, what is the sign of 60 degrees? And there was a pause and nobody gave the answer. So Dave grabbed the mic at W1MX, which is oh. the student radio station at MIT. Yeah. And uh, just says square root of three over two. And then there's a pause and somebody says, hey, who was that? Dave apologizes and said, I should have apologized. This is W1MX. There's a pause. And one of the students says, well, if MIT says that's what it is, that's what it is. Yes. <laughs> so can you imagine? You're on 75 meters in Brooklyn. You're, you're working on your homework. You have this math question. And from the sky, yeah. from the ionosphere, comes the answer from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. The radio gods have spoken, my friends. Yes. Well, when you shared that with me, I went to my phone, 
and went into the calculator <laughs> and said sine of 60 degrees and it's 0.80 something or other. And then I, I did I did the square root of 3 over 2. Same answer. Yeah. So you can do it on your iPhone. But it's more fun to get it over 75 meters from W1MX. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right, Pete. Another podcast successfully Number 218, concluded. Ralph. Crank it in. Crank, crank it, it in. in. Thanks to Bry Carling for sponsoring this one. Bry Carling, AF4K.com. Yeah. Pete, thanks very much for getting up at O-Dark 30 out there on the left coast. You bet. 7-3 from Northern Virginia. 7-3 from the left coast. Thanks, Pete. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Ooh, that's awesome. The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Solder Smoke is listener-supported, and there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com. Begin all your visits to Amazon via the Amazon link on our blog page. In this way, Solder Smoke gets a commission from anything you buy on Amazon. Buy some of our attractive Solder Smoke t-shirts, coffee mugs, and bumper stickers at the Solder Smoke store at cafepress.com. If you have a small business, consider advertising on the podcast or on the blog. Our rates are reasonable and our staff is friendly. If none of this appeals to you but you still want to help, well, we have a donation button in the upper left-hand corner of the blog page. However you choose to help, we thank you for your support. Ciao, bravi ragazzi! Thank you.